welcome to the Adopting Bitcoin Pod, a weekly Twitter Spaces show covering bottom-up Bitcoin adoption with thoughtful leaders from around the world. This week, we have Ethan joining us from Bitcoin Island in the Philippines. Ethan is CEO of Pouch, a wallet helping merchants and individuals onboard to Bitcoin. Just one year since the project started, they already have more than 250 merchants on board. And so we'll dig into the inspiration behind the project and learn about lessons uh, that they learned along the way. Uh, before Mike over, I want to recognize projects making this show possible. First, Blink, formerly known as Bitcoin Beach Wallet, is a Bitcoin Lightning wallet built for bottom-up adoption with built-in Bitcoin education, stable sites for volatility management, and a robust set of merchant features. Blink is a preferred wallet of communities and individuals uh, looking to use Bitcoin for everyday payments. You can learn more or download at blink.sb. And Adopting Bitcoin. Uh, Adopting Bitcoin, a Lightning Summit in El Salvador, taking place November 7th to 9th this year. It's bringing together builders, developers, and educators in Bitcoin country, El Salvador, for the third year. There's a call for participation that's currently open. You can find it at adoptingbitcoin.org. And if you just want uh, to attend, hurry up, get your tickets before the next price bump in two days. So get all the information at adoptingbitcoin.org. So let's do it. Without further ado, let's hop in. Ethan, welcome. Uh, why don't you maybe introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, your your background and journey toward uh, Bitcoin and toward the Yeah, it's a pleasure. So I'm Ethan. I'm the founder of Pouch.ph in Dot Philippines, and we are the Bitcoin Lightning wallet-like financial app for the Philippines. And we also bootstrap the Bitcoin Island community, which is what uh, I'm here to talk about in Boracay, Philippines. A little bit of background why I got started with Pouch. My wife is from the Philippines and I kind of relocated, like even I worked in Seattle as a software engineer for a while, but kind of relocated at least part of the year to the Philippines, loved spending Christmas and like spending time with family for months at a time in the Philippines. So I dealt with the, the personal struggle of sending money from a US bank account into the Philippines and just paying high fees, transactions sometimes randomly getting blocked and doing all the annoying KYC stuff. It just felt so archaic that I felt it was really important to actually work on. I, I became a late Bitcoiner actually because it was when government started shutting down economies in the name of public health and replacing it with money printing that I woke up to or effectively giving away free money right in, in lieu of working. And I woke up to the realization that Bitcoin is the way out of this crazy system that we live in. So kind of being predisposed to paying fees to send money overseas and then also becoming a Bitcoiner. Um, those are both kind of the catalysts to starting Pouch for the Philippines. Now, Bitcoin Island uh, is not that organic of a community. I mean, uh, to be honest, to be to be totally blunt, blatantly honest, like... It's not a Bitcoin circular economy uh, in the way that you would imagine it. And it's not totally organic. There's no government level support for the project, although there is uh, like Chamber of Commerce level support, which is really helpful. But it was really, we, we as a company serving the Philippines saw, we wanted to prove the use case of Bitcoin for payments, the Lightning Network for payments. So, we asked ourselves, what's the best place to start this? And Boracay is clearly the best. I mean, it's the biggest tourist economy in the Philippines. Two million plus tourists come from around the Philippines and around the world every year into Boracay. It's just a small island with a ton of restaurants and 
beautiful beaches um, in a pretty small space. So it's like a very crowded kind of touristy island as well. Lots of uh, discos slash party kind of things as well for like nightlife, but beautiful beaches. And, and the, at the same time, great restaurants. Anyway, so as a place to start an economy, it's, it's very bustling. It's not a small remote village, although there are some uh, projects in the Philippines like that as well. But we really wanted to prove like for the tourism use case for people coming internationally, you don't have to use your bank debit card to go to an ATM machine or go to a money changer. You can just use your own e-wallet app that you bring from abroad. Like it could be, it could be strike from the U S like use your U S dollar account to pay directly, or it could be your own Bitcoin wallet from self custody either way. That's, that's what we cut out to prove. Ethan, you said it's not really a Bitcoin circular economy, but I want to check here. Like I have a question, like and a checklist, like, can I live in Bitcoin only you in can. today? Yep. 100%. Okay. 100%. Okay. Can I buy water for Bitcoin? Yes. Can I buy rice, like uncooked rice, not in a restaurant? Yep. Yeah, you can. Can I pay for shelter with Bitcoin? Yep. Pay for my yeah. mobile plan? Kind of, yes. And that one, you, can, you deposit Bitcoin into the pouch app, we convert it to Philippine pesos, and you pay for it with the Philippine pesos. But I mean, the starting point is Bitcoin, right? And you don't need a uh, real bank account. So yes, kind of. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, if I can do it with the pouch app. Okay. Yeah. So internet, uh, can I pay for internet? Uh, in the same way, like by using the pouch app to basically convert the Bitcoin to pesos first, uh, uh, same as okay. the phone plan, that's the way. And, and electricity? Uh, same way as well, like the bills payment feature in the pouch app, you can pay all your bills. Okay, and uh, and the last on my checklist is, uh, do you have kite surfing in Bitcoin Island? In Boracay? We do, yes. There's. And can I, can I pay for Bitcoin with that? Uh, can I pay for it with Bitcoin? Yeah. My yep, courses? Yep. Yep. Awesome. So what's missing then? What's missing for a circular economy? Uh, so the reason I kind of started with calling it not a circular economy is, well, yes, like to, to the point of your checklist is it's a complete Bitcoin economy. I mean, you can completely live off of Bitcoin, but the people that you're paying most of the time, they're not keeping Bitcoin. They're businesses. They don't like necessarily, some of them love Bitcoin and actually do keep Bitcoin, but the majority of the businesses we auto convert it to Philippine pesos for them so that they don't have to worry about volatility and they don't have to be Bitcoiners in order to accept Bitcoin as payments. So that's why, um, and then they're not like recirculating that Bitcoin that you've paid them because they're just getting it converted to Philippine pesos. So that's why it's, it's a Bitcoin payment economy, but it's not circular. Yeah, gotcha. So uh, I, I think we have Bitcoin Island here raising the hand. You Oliver is at that point. Uh, he spent time uh, living off of Bitcoin in Boracay, and now he's kind of virtually, remotely managing our account. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so Oliver, he, he spent time on Bitcoin Island and lived lived completely off of Bitcoin. Yeah, we still have now on on the ground in Boracay uh, because. So, so another weird thing about the community and kind of inorganic thing, because I'm, as I said, it's kind of an inorganic project. It's it's going well. I mean, you can totally live off of Bitcoin, but nobody from our team was originally from Barakai. 
Um, and there's very few people who are originally from Boracay anyways. I mean, the, the actual population is 10,000 maybe on the island at most. Actually, it's such a tourist economy. So there's millions of tourists every year, but it was just a small number of locals. So very few people, people are actually local to Boracay. Another weird thing. Um, but Evo is our head of community there in Boracay. Now he just moved from El Salvador to the Philippines to be our ambassador or unofficial. And hopefully El Salvador can actually name him officially as an ambassador to the Philippines, Bitcoin ambassador. Um, so he's uh, starting to prepare some Bitcoin education courses more for the local uh, local uh, Aklanon community. Aklanon is one of the languages in the Philippines, the one that's spoken in Boracay, as well as English. Philippines, by the way, Philippines is a very... English is an official language as well. So you don't have to, if you're, if you want to take a trip, you don't have to worry about not being able to speak the local language. Uh, everyone is happy to accommodate and speak English. There's so many local languages as well. It's, it's impossible to like go all around the Philippines and I mean, hundreds of languages around the Philippines. I'm surprised at every time I go somewhere new, uh, languages are like kind of similar, but also very different at the same time. I see Oliver raising hand. You want to try again, Oliver? Do you hear me? Works? Yeah. Hear it. Yeah. There. So I want to say, uh, someone before pointed out, like, if you can live on Bitcoin there, you know, rent and everything like that. And uh, I just want to point out when, uh, you know, when I was walking around in Bork, I, I stopped in a lot of like apartment complexes, like Scandi Apartments, or I think it's called, which is owned by some Norwegian guy. And he, uh, didn't hear about, you know, pouch or anything like that, but he noticed, you know, Bitcoin accepting signs around the island and they had an apartment list. Uh, I don't think it's sold now, but they had an apartment and he told me quite clearly that he would even sell the apartment for, for Bitcoin. And I think it was like $250,000, but I, I'm missing this. There's a lot of options uh, to, to like, if you are willing to talk with the locals, uh, I've noticed that they're quite willing to accept, you know, Bitcoin for rent or for buying an apartment because that's what's what I what i gather when i walked around um yeah it's it's pretty amazing to look uh, unfortunately i wasn't able to visit i know you guys had a, a retreat uh, an event which wish i could have made it uh, uh and i do want to dig into that in a little bit uh, one of the questions that i wanted to ask about was like yeah what came first wallet or the or the project it seemed like they kind of came grew together which is almost like a bitcoin jungle i think was similar right building bitcoin jungle app and, and kind of launching it into the community but it, i think we, it was about a year ago, you can correct me if I'm wrong, and you guys have like 250 merchants in the Philippines. Like, I'd love to dig into, maybe like go back in time a little bit and talk a little bit about, you know, the process for, you know, how you guys got to, you know, from the inspiration or the insight to where you are today, because it seems like pretty, pretty significant and, and fast. Growth. Yeah. So it actually started with banking rails. Um, it started before a year ago, maybe six months prior, just me playing around with the Lightning Network because I thought it was cool. And because I was interested in like potentially solving, uh, the inspiration was Strike actually, like seeing Strike launch in the U.S. with U.S. banking rails and realizing that, oh, this is exactly the interface. If we could have this on the Philippine side, I could bypass all the Western Union and save money. Like uh, that, so that's uh, I was just starting to play around for maybe a few months on what building a Lightning wallet could work like, and also contacting banks in the Philippines and contacting uh, business people that I knew in the Philippines to try to figure out how to get the actual banking rails, um, which is the biggest challenge, I think, in every... So in a circular economy, and I guess in the classic definition of a circular economy, you wouldn't need banking rails because everybody would just 
uh, respending their sats that they've earned. But I think I think of ourselves now as like building the bridge between the traditional fiat system and the new system, so that uh, it's not just one day our currency hyperinflates and everybody, uh, like a hundred million people, try onboarding at the same time onto Bitcoin, but rather it's kind of a slower process that'll take several years. But we're building the rail so that people can come on to Bitcoin at their own pace. So the, the project and the, the Bitcoin Island project started right after we got the banking rails um, and launched that in the app. Bill, who he was starting to try, uh, trying to start a circular economy with Wallet of Satoshi in kind of a more rural area. And he and I connected, he found like an announcement on the Bitcoin subreddit that I posted like, hey, we have banking rails now in the pouch app. And uh, he was interested in using it. And so I suggested Barakai as like kind of the the place where it would be much higher visibility, even with even with uh, tourists around the world, right? So he uh, came to Barakai and Bill was the one on the ground basically going door to door. I mean, he, he uh, explained and it's on video on YouTube, I believe uh, at adopting Bitcoin last November, how his pitch went um, and how he was able to convince um, so many people to start accepting Bitcoin. And it was really effective. So now we've uh, basically paused on onboarding new merchants. And the reason is there's not nearly enough spenders. We've now the more businesses that we onboard, it actually dilutes the amount of spenders. Like, let's say we have a dozen spenders, Bitcoin spenders on the island. Like, they can't spend at 300 businesses every day. So maybe some businesses only get one payment a month at most in Bitcoin. And that's a problem. And some merchants have actually decided to uninstall the pouch app and take down their Bitcoin accepted here sign because they were disappointed that. Uh, nobody showed up. They did it to attract new business and nobody showed up. So trying to work on getting more spenders before we go back to onboarding merchants. But so that's kind of some bad news, right? That some merchants have stopped accepting Bitcoin. I don't think that's unique to our community. I think that's from what I've heard that happens in every community, at least. So I don't feel too bad about that. But at the same time, there is good news, which is around the Philippines, not just in Boracay, People have heard, business owners have heard and started actually self-onboarding to the Pouch app and some even to, to Bitcoin wallets, like native Bitcoin wallets, to accept Bitcoin payments. So we have uh, another 100 businesses or so around the Philippines starting to accept Bitcoin. And that was just organically. Nobody needed to show up at their doorstep asking them to accept Bitcoin. Interesting. So you have the same problem that we heard yesterday in the call. And like Herman stressed that, that the importance of getting the sats to flow. So that seems to be like the major challenge currently in Bitcoin Island. So you also said that you basically got into this, uh, into Boracay and this idea basically from the inspiration with Strike. And you had a thesis going into Boracay and uh, building Pouch basically. Would you say that that thesis has proven right? Or would you say... That or maybe it has proven right, but you've also discovered other use cases that you hadn't thought or uh, in advance. Like, can you talk a little bit about that? Um, would be one question I have on my mind, and the second one would be, what are locals using for digital payments? Like I saw in Arnold's um, documentary, uh, there was a man saying that 60% of people on Boracay don't have a bank account. 
So do they do not, not do any electronic payments at all? Um, or are they using something else? Would be my question cool. because... Um, yeah, yeah, I'll take the second question first, actually. Um, uh, so the primary method of payment in the Philippines is cash, physical cash. Um, still, even since... Well, they say COVID accelerated the, or rather the lockdowns accelerated the use of digital payments. And that's true, but still under 50% of payments are digital in the Philippines. So cash is by far the common way. Um, there is a big e-wallet, like Mo-like traditional e-wallet app in the Philippines called Gcash. It's uh, owned by Globe, which is the giant telecom company in the Philippines and they claim they have something like 80 million users, which would be the entire adult population in the Philippines, which can't possibly be true, but that would be the big, uh, we, I mean, globe puts their signs everywhere. A lot of businesses do accept Gcash now. So that's what we're up against is kind of like this traditional, very traditional e-wallet app and they use QR payments. So that's familiar kind of thing with the lightning network. Actually, it kind of helps when we can show like, uh, lightning QR codes are, uh, people realize actually like, oh, it's like a Gcash QR code. It's familiar. And then as far as locals not having bank accounts, it's really mixed. I think at this point, I would say if somebody doesn't have a bank account, it's because they don't want a bank account. Um, or actually bank account, it could mean two things. So a bank account could mean something like a Gcash account, like a, a mobile money account. It's, it's easier to open. You can do it from your phone or, or there's the, regular bank account in the Philippines, which you literally have to go into a branch and keep a maintaining balance deposit with them. So yeah, most people, majority don't have bank accounts for sure. But if at this point, if you don't have a Gcash account, it's because you probably don't have a smartphone maybe, or you just don't want a Gcash account. So people do have access to digital payments then. I've just looked up the exchange rate between the US dollar and the Philippine peso. The Philippine peso is not one of those currencies, smaller currencies that are heavily devaluing compared to the United States dollar, like we see in Lebanon or in Turkey or in Argentina. So Bitcoin as a inflation hedge or a savings tool is probably not the reason why Filipinos could be into it. But we also, you're also saying that for local payments, Basically, there's alternatives uh, with Gcash and a big major telecommunications company. So what is it really the use case in Boracay? Thank you. Uh, so, because, so basically because inflation is not that high compared to the US dollar, why would anybody want Bitcoin basically? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think like so yeah, the official inflation rate is kind of similar, maybe slightly higher than the US dollar. Actually, the, the peso has maintained pretty, pretty stable to the US dollar over the past few years, around 55 pesos to a dollar. But and that's in the exchange rate. But in local goods, like in the market, inflation has certainly felt much higher. I mean, the prices of everything in pesos has increased by much more than the 6% or however much they say it is over the past year. So people are actually very aware of inflation. Now, um, savings culture is not very strong. I mean, most uh, people, as soon as they get any kind of money, they end it on anything, even a lottery ticket, like anything at all, right? Um, so teaching people to save is one thing that we want to encourage and not to save in a bank account because bank accounts actually take like, they'll give you an interest rate, but they'll take fees any chance they can get. So 
it's not worth putting money in a bank account. And, and besides, the rate you get out of bank account is lower than inflation. Um, but teaching people to save in Bitcoin, it doesn't actually matter if your currency is devaluing compared to the dollar, because of course the dollar is devaluing itself at a pretty rapid rate anyways. So if you want to protect your wealth, no matter, uh, or protect, even, even if you don't have wealth, like just a little bit of savings, like treat it like a, like your savings account. And the pouch app, we just launched a feature two days ago or three days ago now, which is buying Bitcoin in the app. So we're not a licensed custodian in the Philippines. And even if we were, I don't think we would want to do Bitcoin custody anyways, maybe, maybe in the future, but, but just for the sake of keeping it as simple as possible. But what we've done is we've added a Bitcoin tab to the app so people can deposit pesos in pretty much any channel. They can figure out a way, whether they have cash or whether they have a Gcash account or bank account, there are ways to get your pesos into the pouch app. And then you can buy Bitcoin with it. And the way we buy, we power the buy Bitcoin is you link either a Bitcoin address, an external Bitcoin address or a lightning address. And then you can set up recurring purchases or you can make one-time purchases. And we treat it as a payment to a Bitcoin wallet, basically. Like we collect your pesos, you agree to an exchange rate, which we intentionally kept the exchange rate spread as tight as possible. It's uh, less than 0.5% spread which is insanely tight for the Philippines because most other options were several percent um, at a minimum, like one and a half percent money you'd lose just buying Bitcoin. So we wanted to make sure that people didn't actually instantly lose uh, and like massive fees by buying Bitcoin. Um, It's more, we're not trying to make a ton of money off of giving people the ability to buy Bitcoin uh, because we see our business as, especially in the short to midterm uh, remittance, model like by partnering with the strike and the neutron pay and the coin corner and receiving remittances that's our main business not selling bitcoin in the app gotcha so people can basically wire money to pouch and get bitcoin uh, to a bitcoin address that is self-custodial then do i understand that correctly it's like the local bank transfers which are much cheaper than wire tra- i mean it's um, the local bank transfer, which it it's instant actually. So you can instantly deposit to your account and you can even use cash. You could go to a, like the, the cash kind of centers in the Philippines are these big pawn shop brands. That's where people usually go to collect remittances um, rather than Western Union, even pawn shops have become the most prevalent. So this chain called Cebuana Luilier pawn shop chain, you could actually go bring your physical cash there and make a deposit to your pouch wallet you get actually a a bank account number along with your when you sign up for pouch gotcha so lightning address you said also is that a pouch lightning address um so can can you walk us like through how the process is for someone who uses pouch like from beginning to end with the most popular use case so let's say i think the most relevant use case for everyone in the call is Let's say you're coming to Bitcoin Island and you want to, you have Bitcoin, you don't have Philippine pesos and you don't want to use a money changer and pay 10%. So you download the pouch app. Now you sign up for pouch. You have to do KYC, sadly, because of requirements. Um, And as a foreigner, you uh, have to use a passport to do KYC. Um, But your account will be approved pretty quickly, like within minutes. Your KYC is uh, complete. And you now have a Philippine peso 
lightning enabled wallet. We have banking partners to support Philippine pesos and depositing of Philippine pesos, maintaining a Philippine peso balance, but not Bitcoin balances. Now you have a zero balance account. How do you get pesos into that account to spend? So side note, you don't have to use pouch at all. You could live off your Bitcoin wallet directly. So you could use, I mean, bring a wallet of Satoshi or Breeze or Phoenix wallet, like Lightning, Bitcoin Lightning wallets, and you could make payments just fine using those wallets directly. But if you wanted to use the pouch wallet, and the pouch wallet is intended really for locals, for Filipinos, um, as an alternative, a better alternative to Gcash, you could deposit to your pouch account via Lightning. So you get, when you sign up, you pick a username, you get a Lightning address. So if you're to send to Ethan at pouch.ph, for example, Bitcoin, uh, the pouch system will auto convert it into Philippine pesos at the regular exchange rate minus 1% or so, something like that. So that is how you actually deposit Philippine pesos to your pouch account. And then that's how, as we, as we started the call about how to pay bills, like pay your electric bill, pay your phone or internet bill. That's how you would do it from the pouch app at that point, because there's the in-app bills payment feature. Um, once you've deposited Bitcoin and it's been auto-converted into Philippine pesos. So then now you're free to use the pouch app. You can go scan and QR pay all around Bitcoin Island. You can do your bills payments. Yeah, that's the main use case of pouch as a foreigner coming to Bitcoin Island now. Very cool. I saw... Yeah, you mentioned. Sorry, I said, actually, uh, that that uh, we get we have to get you an updated Pluto. I think uh, you have that was an oversight. Like, we used the uh, old Blink logo, either. and we're fixing it in the next app version. Barely... <laughs> we so we recommend that. Thanks for for bringing that up. I wanted to mention. So the new Bitcoin tab, as of a few days ago, it's it's launched, and basically, since we don't custody Bitcoin, we have to help people get a Bitcoin wallet. Um, so we linked to and recommended a couple wallets. At the top, we recommended Blink and. Give just a little blurb uh, mentioning how it's a custodial lightning wallet. The reason we chose Blink is because I think it's the most trusted. Uh, well, personally, I think like has the best reputation. So if I'm going to recommend a custodial wallet, Blink would be the one. Um, that also doesn't require KYC or anything. So you just get started right away. Plus, you get stable sats if you want. So uh, you get a lightning address as well, like fully integrated with LNURL. So yeah, well, that's why we chose to promote Link first. And we could have, I mean, a lot of communities promoted Wallet of Satoshi. And I think I just haven't met personally the Wallet of Satoshi team. So that's why I would rather just uh, promote Link. The, uh, I, I don't want, the, the main thing I don't want is for our customers to be stacking sats and then lose it all because an exchange disappeared overnight, which is... A real concern, but I don't find that to be too concerning with Blink. I mean, it does require trust. And as Bitcoiners, we don't like trusting systems or companies. But um, in order to keep the user experience as simple as possible and keep fees like Lightning fees minimal, um, then that's the trade-off we have to make. We have to find somebody we can trust. Yeah, I think uh, I was joking about the there's many people with the app with still with the uh, the uh, previous uh, app icon because that was one of the last things that we have uh, updated over the months uh, shift from uh, Bitcoin Beach wallet name and, and logo to, to Blink. But yeah, no, and I, I liked how you have the on that tab, you have custodial wallet, 
And then you have, I think, blue, at least from the view that I had, self-custodial. So yeah, those were the like, that we uh, recommended. So basically, the point of blue wallet is if you have more money to save, like, I, th I think it's kind of like levels, difficulty levels as well. Like, you're buying your first sats, okay, download Blink. It'll be instant. It'll be basically free. And you buy your first sats. Awesome. When you have more money to put in and you're willing to pay an on-chain fee every time you want to buy Bitcoin, then, and you're willing to, write down 12 words and keep them safe forever. That's when it's time to upgrade to blue wallet or um, so that we recommended blue wallet. And of course there's great Bitcoin wallets around. There's great lightning wallets around, but we, we chose blink and blue wallet just to keep it, keep it simple, trying to pick the best ones to recommend. And then, uh, so happy, happy to like, please drop me a note if you think they're not the best and, <laughs> and that we should recommend others happy to look into others. But just based on our team's experience, those were the ones like easiest to onboard, best experience, most trustworthy. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, or, or trustworthy or trustless. So yeah. The, so we have the two options. Like many of our users are actually interested in buying Bitcoin for the first time and they're going with Blink. And then others, um, I mean, we have some users who were already using the pouch app before. It was it was possible before to buy Bitcoin by scanning a QR code and making it as a payment. So now they're now they've basically saved. We call it linking, but it's basically like saving a Bitcoin address to. And and I know I know some technical people will get upset with us for not for doing address reuse, but it's a user experience thing. It's easy to just save an address and set up a recurring purchase to it. One step at a time. It, it works beautifully. Like uh, that, that's the goal is to make it easy for people to stack sats. And again, we're not monetizing it heavily. And uh, we have like a very tiny positive margin, I guess, just to, to prove that we can, but we're not trying to make money on it really. Again, our sustainable business path is the receiving remittances uh, because the Philippines is one of the largest remittance corridors in the world. Um, it was 36 billion US dollars was remitted to the Philippines, just personal remittances last year. And Western Union took, and other companies like Remitly, other major remittance companies took 7% on average, according to their financial statements. So that's, uh, their exchange rate spread is usually around three to 4%. They also charge fixed fees if you want it instantly. So that's how they come. That's how they collect 7%, I think. So that's like, that's billions of dollars. That's literally like full percentage points of the Philippine GDP just going to, to Western Union remittance fees. Um, so we're trying to make that much cheaper and also have a little bit of a padding for ourselves um, so that we can have a sustainable business and keep improving our products, et cetera, uh, keep, and be able to grow Bitcoin adoption and have the best Bitcoin wallet in the Philippines. Awesome. Thanks for the, the overview. And yeah, I don't think Okin is here today from Namibia, but I, I always laugh because uh, a slide when he's doing presentations and, and the, the title is download both wallets and he's got, you know, a custodial and a set, you know, he got blank and blue or blank and, you know, something. And uh, it, it's a good uh, reality check, I think, to, you know, a lot of the debate of uh, custodial, uh, non-custodial where someone jumps inside of the fence and, and argues versus he coming in and saying, no, like these are tools in your toolbox and you should and use Bitcoin so, yeah. right now. And in this early stage of adoption, because we're still very early, right? We all know uh, most Bitcoiners are very technical people. So it's 
easy for us to say like just download blue wallet or just download this non-custodial wallet just use a signing device right but to most people in the world that's like we're speaking a foreign language right so we really need to handhold and make it simple my first job was it uh, my first full-time job was like doing it help desk for elementary school district uh in arizona and that um i mean like teachers you would think teachers are decent at technology but you see like they have to write their passwords down on sticky notes uh for their entire class to see just to log into their computer and and even then they lose their sticky note forget their password like basic troubleshooting steps like turning a computer off and on again they struggle with like this is the reality um and we we want bitcoin to be accessible to like our grandparents right like our the the generation who didn't grow up uh, on a smart device I mean, it needs to be so easy so much easier than it is currently for i think that's really the next um wave of adoption the 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 way that we scale bitcoin to more onboarding more people is we make it easier um, like Bitcoin is for everyone, 100%. Bitcoin is for everyone. But Bitcoin self-custody is technically challenging and there's a massive learning curve. So it's not for everyone day one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, Kim, uh, Kimal published a, a long-form article on, on the topic and even uh, went uh, Stefan Levera, a super interesting topic about that. Uh, it looks like maybe Oliver, did you want to add something? Yeah, I just want to say that one of the reasons why I really like Blink is, you know, because in-app tutorials that, you know, guide people how to use Bitcoin first, if you compare it to like what Satoshi is like, you just drop into a void. And if you don't have a friend to explain everything, then, then you're really left alone. And when you use Blink, there's in-app tutorials on how you can go about self-casting in the future and, and you talk about it. So it's a bit easier if you can uh, have your first Bitcoin wallet to use, to use Blink. It's a... Uh, it's a great app if you try to orange pill your friend or whatever, and you maybe not meet every day, and then can, then they can then they can do their own research on the Blink app. So that's one one reason why I like Blink a lot. We're uh, we're we're blushing, we're blushing. We'll move on, <laughs> but but thank you. Yeah. So we're about forty five minutes into the interview. I do want to. I've got a couple more questions here, but also want to allow uh, other folks to come in and chat. Uh, seeing some uh, you know uh, fellow friends and, and Bitcoiners in the room. So if you have a uh, question. Ethan Oliver about uh, Bitcoin in the Philippines. Feel free to request. Um, I, I did post a, a link to Bill's chat. Uh, it's now the second tweet in the nest from Adopting Bitcoin 2022. So, and I remember just being like entertained with the presentation uh, and the tips that he that he gave uh, for onboarding merchants. Some of the things as simple as like. Sticker, <laughs> like, uh, but but I'm kind of like, you know, I don't know everything. I, I wanted to know, you know, Ethan, anything off the uh, because you you guys have successful in merchant onboarding and now have the problem of having enough spenders. Do you have any tips for people who are on the ground trying to onboard merchants that that they can take away and as they're you know either going door to door or trying to uh, convince somebody to accept Bitcoin? Um, or it Bitcoin might be wallet? cultural, but the biggest thing that helps us is kind of finding a, a trusted person in the community business community uh to help make introductions so door to door it can work and it's it's the only way to start right if you if you're coming into a new community and you don't know anyone there then 
that's how you eventually you find out I mean, you get rejected a lot and eventually you find uh, somebody willing to, to talk to you. And, and like, so if you're coming to a brand new community, that's like how you have to start. But the, the way that more of our businesses and especially like more of the, the lasting businesses and the bigger businesses in our community, it's like the, the fancy restaurants or something like the way we get them to sign up is because they know somebody not, not because we went and talked to them about Bitcoin, but because they knew personally the somebody like a director in the chamber of commerce or, or another business owner, for example, another restaurant owner, because the business owners in the community know all know each other that that's like their peer group. Right. And that, I think that's just true of humanity in general. Like if, if you want somebody to do something, they'll do it if their friends do it uh, kind of. So if you can sell like the influential person on not necessarily on Bitcoin, well, it depends as well. So because we have the banking rails, it is much easier for us to say, like we use Bitcoin as a payment system rather than you have to be exposed to Bitcoin volatility, even if you haven't been orange pilled. Um, I, I think talking to trying to orange pill people just by talking to them, at least personally, I haven't had that much success with it. Like if it's friends or, or people that I'm close with, it goes better. But if it's random strangers, it's certain, it's, it doesn't go well to just like tell random strangers to buy Bitcoin. Right. And why they should buy Bitcoin. They, they, if they're not ready, mentally prepared to listen to it. So yeah, that's a few random thoughts. Hopefully it's coherent enough to, to summarize networking, I guess is, is the key, like building trust and getting warm introductions. When you talk to business owners, um, rather than just being like the random person showing up talking about Bitcoin. So, yeah. The takeaway that I've seen too, is like being connected to a entity that people trust in the fiat world. So you're not coming in completely cold necessarily, you know, in Bitcoin Lake, they have Centro Educativo Josue, they have a local school who they're connected to. And there's a little bit of that. Yeah. Like you said, the networking um, element that, that builds a little bit of a foundation of trust. All the communities that are, that I know of now that are having success onboarding merchants have, they're kind of like pillars in their community, right? They're not, um, you can't just randomly appear one day and it takes a lot of groundwork laying, I guess, in order to have that trust. And then I think it, it comes much more easily once everyone around has kind of maybe already heard about Bitcoin because they're maybe aware, at least on Bitcoin Island, it's a mixed bag. Like actually many locals may not even know that their Island is Bitcoin Island. Um, we do have a giant Bitcoin like billboard in the center of the Island. So people pretty much by now, everybody has to have seen that because it's really centrally located. You can't miss it um, from the main road, but not everybody has like dropped by the office slash community center there to ask what is Bitcoin or probably people haven't Google searched it, right? Like there's so many people still, even in the local community don't even know that Barakai is Bitcoin Island. So there's still, I, I mean, from our perspective, there's still a lot of work to do to, to educate. And this is something we're just now starting with. Cause we started with the, the merchants really making Barakai a place where anybody could come as a tourist and live off of Bitcoin um, or as a digital nomad come and live off of Bitcoin. And it's a really beautiful Island. It's a great place to do it. But we, we've tried some um, like local education 
and we didn't use a framework. So we weren't very successful at it, but we have talked with me, Premier Bitcoin, and we're actually uh, printing uh, the books now. So that's a, looks like a really great framework. And we have to figure out our, our next big problem is to figure out how to convince people to actually come to the course. So we'll, we'll connect with uh, the me Premier Bitcoin team more to ask questions. Hey, hey, Ethan, this is uh, Mike Peterson from Bitcoin Beach. I'm curious as to like at the beginning that you guys have lost some vendors just because there wasn't enough people using Bitcoin there. And I've seen kind of two different models used within the Bitcoin circular economies. The the one like that we use, we kind of more focused on injecting Bitcoin into the local community first. And then the fact that they wanted to play spend it would drive the, the adoption of the merchants. Whereas with you guys, or even like with Bitcoin Lake, we've seen kind of the opposite of going out and trying to recruit enough businesses that would accept it, that would drive people to start using it. Because it's kind of one of those chicken and the egg things. Like you don't want to use, you know, adopt a new financial payment network if you can't use it a bunch of places. But for the stores, they don't want to adopt it unless they're going to get enough customers coming in. And so, you know, we had, I, I think, just a unique situation and we had, you know, a donor that was willing to support the um, community programs and all these things that could happen in a more organic way. I know the same thing in, in Bitcoin Akasi has happened, but I know places don't have that uh, unique kind of privilege to do it in that way. So I'm just curious, as you've gone through this and been in this for a while, do you think onboarding people first encourages people to start using Bitcoin? Or do you think we really need to start driving sats flowing in kind of a smaller, more compact community first? and then adopt the Bitcoiners from there? Have I think it just depends there. on the place. So if you're in a country where you don't have convenient rails between the local currency and Bitcoin, then the only way to start a Bitcoin economy uh, or use Bitcoin for payment is by injecting Bitcoin into it, basically. But in a place where... And maybe that's, that's a more grassroots way for sure to, to start Bitcoin adoption and more... more real and authentic even like it's not what we've done which is a hack on the uh, yeah yeah and i'm not i mean and, and i hope it's not coming i'm not being dismissive at all i, I, like, I, I, I think we're doing the right thing for the philippines of course that's why we're doing it um, but it's not the right thing in every country necessarily um or it's not not a viable option in every country necessarily for the philippines the banking system is Decent enough. I mean, bank transfers up to a certain threshold are instant. Um, there's e-wallet apps, which have a growing and pretty high penetration rate. So people are familiar with this model of QR payments, having a, a mobile wallet that has Philippine pesos on it. So we're trying to uh, make it familiar. So it doesn't require as much education. I think the education is... Uh, uh, hard one to scale because we have a hundred million people to reach and we can't, we don't have enough classrooms to get everybody Bitcoin education, a hundred million seats. What, what I'm, what I'd really like to understand better from your perspective and your experiences, do you think the people seeing the Bitcoin signs everywhere and having all this on board, do you think that encourages locals to start using Bitcoin or to be more open to start, using it like do you see that as a way to drive adoption or, or just trying to because we, we've wrestled with this because i know we we've had a unique situation we work with other 
communities have the you know the access to resources that we've had, and so just trying to understand the the benefits and negatives of of going from different directions. Like, should we focus on store adoption first, or focus on injecting first, or so just curious is, do you see that? Yeah, I think the signs give legitimacy, especially on the nicer restaurants or nicer establishments, hotels, because other business owners and spenders as well, like tourists, their perception of Bitcoin, I guess, if they don't see signs, they don't know, even know it exists, right? If they do see signs, they don't exist. Exists. If they see the signs on like tiny shops, we had, I had someone comment, it's kind of a rude comment, but but said like, to me, you know, the Bitcoin will never catch on or Bitcoin. It was a business owner, actually. He said something along the lines of, we won't accept Bitcoin because look at it. Only the only like tiny vendors are using it. There's no like McDonald's isn't using it. See, uh, and he didn't understand, like as much as we explained, he doesn't have to be exposed to Bitcoin volatility. He He still thought that he did. I mean... He didn't understand, but, but anyways, the, where in his mind though, I, t- I took his comment to um, basically realize um, where he sees the signs um, affects his opinion of Bitcoin. So if he sees some rundown looking store with a Bitcoin sign on it, um, he thinks that it, it gives him a negative impression of Bitcoin. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's a good way to look at it, but just realistically, some people might think that way. Uh, in the Philippines, signs are used by Gcash, and like they take up massive sponsorship deals of food parks, like these these hubs that have like 100 restaurants in one concentrated area or something like that. Like they put signs everywhere. You can't turn a corner in the Philippines without seeing a Gcash sign. So the signs definitely um, people seem to think signs make an impression. So so we put some signs out. I mean, we we give restaurants and and. Uh, every business, we give them signs to put up and they do. So I think, yeah, I think signs are helpful, but I don't think it's necessarily the only way uh, or maybe not even the best way to get people to sign up. Maybe digital ads. Uh, we haven't explored with digital advertisements, but I think that that way, like having a call to action to like download an app um, so that you can use a better payment network or, or protect your savings from inflation some kind of call to action like that it will probably convert more people into Bitcoiners rather than seeing signs on a store. Really interesting to see the different communities in different areas of the world with different existing financial infrastructure and, and the challenge. I just posted a tweet uh, a couple months ago. I gave a presentation to um, Bitcoin Yucatan. Actually, I think they're here. And, you know, uh, taking Mike, taking your usage of the chicken and the egg, you know, which, which comes first. And, and it's interesting to see the different communities approaching it uh, one way versus the other. I know Herman from Bitcoin Ecosse yesterday mentioned like, OK, we're at a point where we we've got enough merchants and we're trying to, you know, get people to spend there because, yeah, agreeing to accept foreign to you and then not having the. Uh, the satisfaction of people using it or asking about it can, of course, uh, like you said, Ethan, you know, make somebody say, you know what, I won't, I won't accept it anymore. So, exactly, yeah. we'll round up soon. If anybody else has questions, comments, uh, feel free to uh, to hop up. I did want to um, spend a minute or two on the retreat. Um, you guys had an event, right, uh, a couple months ago, I think. 
Uh, how did it go? Any anything interesting uh, takeaways from the event? And are you going to do it again? Yeah, just, the uh, retreat was really great. That. Um, that was the time where we had the most vendors in the island for sure. And of course, the the business owners loved it. Some business owners came to the retreat as well and talked even about their experience accepting Bitcoin. And it's great. They actually had a, a lot of positive things to say. I know, like even now, I'm kind of focusing on negative things and sorry about that. I'm generally, I'm an optimist. Like I know that Bitcoin will win in my lifetime. Uh, 100% confident about that, but it won't, it won't do it on its own, right? It takes a lot of thought and, and hard work of people who believe in the mission. And so I'm, I'm trying to be as real, as much of a realist as possible, more than an op- optimist um, and, and focus on how the real world works and uh, kind of tailor our messaging of Bitcoin to appeal to everyone. Anyway, so about the retreat. So um, yeah, actually we had maybe 100 to 200 people come from uh, around the world to uh, check out Bitcoin Island and come to the conference. Um, one thing that was kind of hard uh, there, then, uh, just the transportation, uh, because Baraka is an extra flight and an overnight in Manila usually. It's hard to get to from a lot of the world. I mean, you're spending like 24 hours traveling or something to get to Baraka. So the turnout wasn't, I mean, it was definitely good. But for next year, we're planning again to have a conference in April um, in Manila instead. That's where the uh, majority of the population, well, not majority, but I mean, by far the largest city in the Philippines. Um, so we can get more locals rather than uh, foreigners um, coming to the conference if we hosted in Manila and probably maybe easier for keynote speakers to come and drive a bigger audience. Basically, we want to... And, and oh, actually, and then on the last day, maybe we can have a, a trip for anybody who wants to come to Bitcoin Island uh, to actually take the trip there. And maybe some people want to stick around for a month or something or a few weeks and live off of Bitcoin. Um, we could have maybe a group or just coordinate on people going from Manila to Barakai next year after the conference. Um, but for the conference itself, we're thinking Manila is probably the more central place easier flight path and we'll have be able to appeal to a bigger audience or attract a bigger audience. It's important to attract a bigger audience to us because one, we're going through all the effort to put on a conference. We want as many people to hear about it as possible. And two, we want the entire point of the conference is to attract new people to Bitcoin, convince business owners to accept Bitcoin, convince people to start stacking stats. And so if we can make more noise in the media and Etc. Social media, we can uh, have a bigger impact, and that's the goal. Entire goal of hosting a conference. So, uh, also next year we won't be hosting it ourselves. So it was a lot of work uh, organizing the conference. There's a team in uh, the Philippines, uh, education. They call themselves like a crypto education platform called Bitscuela. They host they host events, and we've talked with them actually. They're a really nice team, really great guys, a little bit shit coinery, but they get Bitcoin as well. And they came, they came to the Bitcoin Island retreat. They totally get the use of Bitcoin as a monetary system and they're, and as a payment system, they're really good at putting on events much better than we are as a tech company. So, and of course the requirement is, is a Bitcoin only event. It's not a shit coin event. And we're helping with, I mean, uh, there's a lot of the pieces, but we're not taking on the sole responsibility of booking the venue and 
all the little pieces that go on to putting together a great event. So it should be a better event, like as far as the production goes next year and a much larger turnout next year. And I, yeah, I hope everyone or a bunch of y'all from the call here today could come and check out how Bitcoin adoption in the Philippines is working. Take a trip to a Bitcoin Island and completely live off of Bitcoin. Um, we'll try to be in Manila in the area where the conference will be. Um, we actually do have some businesses who have already started accepting Bitcoin. And so we'll probably try to focus there um, on building a Bitcoin community in advance of the conference. So that maybe it would even be possible to live off of Bitcoin in the Manila area, as long as you go to the exact right places. Yeah. So, so hopefully y'all can come there will be we don't have any exact details published yet for the for next year but in april next year in manila is the plan exciting finally a reason to go to the philippines a bitcoin conference is always a great excuse uh especially when it's in a nice tropical place like philippines boracay seems to have quite nice beaches too yeah, um, yeah the, 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 say, the reason Boracay is so popular is because of the beaches. Uh, there's two sides. It's weird. It's like a thin island, pretty small island. One side is white, powdery sand beaches. It's like walking on baby powder. I don't know how it nice. forms like that, but it's the, the nicest sand to walk on barefoot. And then the other side, it's a little more rocky, like a, a little more pebbly beach. It's a very windy beach, and that's where all the windsurfing takes place. So, And the beaches are a 10 minute walk apart is a thin island. So you can walk from one side to the other in 10 minutes. It is amazing how different the beaches are, but both of them are incredible world-class beaches by their own right. Sorry to interrupt. I just had to give the shout out to uh, Brake and how beautiful it is. Well, that was perfect. You heard it guys, uh, next holiday, uh, next vacation, perfect white sand beaches in, in the South Sea. Um, and you can spend your sets on 250 merchants and growing, which is already a great, yeah, great thing that you can actually live on Bitcoin without touching fiat. And yeah, I mean, every community has a different approach. There will be different approaches that work for different communities in different places. Um, a touristy, a place that is popular among tourists that has nice things to offer, people to come and make their vacation. They might have a different approach than a village in the Alps, for example, where uh, yeah, so we'll find out what works. Drew, do you want to want to chime in? Uh, I would just say we've been going for about an hour and fifteen. Probably a good place to let you have a few final words. Um, if there's any final questions, be great. Uh, follow underscore ph to stay in touch with the wallet BTC retreat. I just pinned a note to the nest where you can uh, sell yourself on uh, on getting to making sure you get to the next retreat. But yeah, uh, Ethan, I'll hand it off for you for final words. And yeah, for um, actually just a shout out to Adopting Bitcoin. I uh, Last year, I had a workshop on Bitcoin for remittances. And we had a massive turnout for that little workshop room. Um, there are so many people, interested builders uh, in building companies around the world, remittance like lightning remittance companies. I got to meet a lot of them last year at Adopting Bitcoin. So that was really awesome experience. Adopting Bitcoin is a great conference. Everybody should go as well. And then, yeah, that's the uh, final, final thing. I guess if anybody has questions about starting a remittance Bitcoin remittance company or a company, I mean, I've been through the journey for the first time. So I, I'd be happy to 
um, help, feel free to reach out. My email is ethan at pouch.ph, same as my lightning address. And yeah, the, uh, also on Telegram at pouch CEO and also on Twitter, same. So yeah, I'd love to be, be very happy to talk with anybody who's interested and help however I can get the Bitcoin adoption around the world uh, accelerating. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for everybody who's been listening in. Great to see you and hear from you. Yeah, this has been an exciting uh, first episode of sort of a, a season three for the Adopting Bitcoin pod. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday with Amity Age, a project uh, that is onboarding folks in Honduras and the island of Roatan and, and beyond. Uh, I believe they're doing education, onboarding and, and many of the things. So uh, look forward to that next Thursday, 5 p.m. UTC, same time. We'll, we'll open the space about a half hour early for an open mic. It's been a great conversation with Ben Oliver from Bitcoin Island Philippines and CEO of Pouch, which is pouch.ph. And you can see their accounts to follow there. Also, as I mentioned, uh, Adopting Bitcoin, November 7th to 9th, call for participation is open. So go to adoptingbitcoin.org and check that out. Get your tickets and or um, shoot us a, a, um, a speaking a topic for that you want to speak about or do a workshop about. Uh, and I'm this is Andrew. I'm on the Blink account. Um, so, yeah, uh, check out Blink.sv, uh, formerly Bitcoin Beach Wallet. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see you thank next you Thursday. Thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Also, follow Andrew on Twitter. His Twitter handle is agbegin, A-G-B-E-G-I-N, to stay up, uh, on, up, up to date on all the things going on at Blink and Galloy and also adoption around the world with communities. If you want, if you want to hop on a future, a future space like this, also reach out to us. We'd love to uh, put you on the schedule and hear about more communities around the world. Cheers. Malay, Quags, yo. Early arrival, passports down, yeah. Everything is nice, like I'm in the south of France, yo. Everything is nice, like we just got to Cannes. Freestyle on a non plan plan. 6 a.m., say je t'aime. Mon chéri, more, let's do it again. Champagne, campaign, and cake for breakfast at Tiffany's. Picked out a necklace, 3,000 seconds. Have brunch at Evans, spend the day at the beach, making French connections. She loves Cosmos, happy hour of the hype. If they accept Bitcoin, cool, we can try it. Brown eyes, 5-5, five, five. with Jimmy Choo's on, she's 5-9. She catwalks in her spare time, no small talk, don't waste the time. She likes a man, they can stack them saps, that's a man like Quakes for a matter of fact. Put your mother music on her favorite song, the day is old, the night is young. Yeah, the day is old, the night is young. Yeah. Let's have some fun, let's have some fun, yo. Let's have some fun, let's have some fun, yo. The day is old, the night is young.